Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Absolute pleasure to be with you on a Tuesday evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a lovely night. I certainly did. Tonight's recommended drink, ladies and gentlemen, a chilled Chardonnay. Tonight's recommended snack. Let's go with cheese and cracked pepper water crackers for a change. Why not? Little hors d'oeuvre on a Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. on this Tuesday night edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Absolute pleasure to be with you once again. Uh, thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, that's okay too. I guess you can stick around. K2. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope you had a lovely night. I certainly did. I certainly did. Uh, very relaxing night. Very chilled night. Very nice relaxing night at work. Dealing with the drunks, the heroin junkies, the whores, I love it. <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So much to get through tonight. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Be a uh, subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to share your stories about whores, junkies and drunks, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Thank you so much. If you'd like to leave a tip during tonight's proceedings, you can do so by heading to dlive.tv slash boogie bumper. Or the link down below, streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper. <clears throat> uh, had a lot of feedback over yesterday's show. Uh, thank you. A lot of replay viewers. Um, a lot of people joined in and seemed to like it. Thank you for the diamond gypsy. Fair did you steal the diamond gypsy? Fair did you steal the diamond? So yeah, a lot of good feedback from yesterday's show. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad people got something out of it. Um... You know, I shared it with a couple of people that I respect their opinion, and I'm like, you know, just just tell me what you think of this. You know, am I am I going, am I being too depressing? Am I being am I going too hard on people? You know, because generally, like, if you want to be popular at this, there's a few rules that people follow. Like, they're not set in stone or anything, but if you want to be popular at this kind of thing, there's a few rules that people follow. You have to give people like a, some kind of positive hope at the end of it all you know what i mean generally speaking very few people can get away with you know just being negative and that's probably why i'm not popular <laughs> it's probably why nobody listens to this program because i'm not positive enough or i'm not on someone's team enough i see a lot of new names in the chat thank you for joining us i'll go through the spiel uh if this is your first time here let me give you the rundown of what happens generally uh, within the first, if you're a liberal in the first half an hour, you'll accuse me of being a Republican shill. If you're a Republican in the first half an hour, you'll accuse me of being a liberal hack. And that's the way I like it. So be prepared. When it happens, just pretend like you didn't know it was going to happen. And generally what happens is if you're too positive, they'll say that you're shilling for money. 
right? You're, you're cheerleading for cash. If you're too negative, they'll say that you're pushing fear porn. If you're too serious, they say, oh, you should lighten up a bit. It's not that bad. And if, you, if you're too jokey and too sarcastic, they'll say, well, you're not taking it seriously enough. This isn't a laughing matter. So there's always going to be a section out there that you just can't please. And I have no interest. If you're one of those people, I have no interest in pleasing you at all. I decided when I started doing this that I'm just going to do it as I want to. That's why it looks this way. That's why it sounds this way. Because it's not about, you know, building a following. It's not about telling you what you want to hear so you'll pat me on the back and say how much you like it. It's not what it's about at all. Personally, I feel personally I feel like I'm letting you down if I don't at least offend a section of you every single night. <laughs> if at least only if a few people don't say something like that's it, I'm never coming back to this stupid show, then I feel like I haven't done my job. So that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. Um, a couple of people have actually got in touch with me. I wasn't going to do anything about the State of the Union address because it's on a bit late. I didn't get much sleep. And, you know, I was just going to go to bed after the show. But a few people actually have gotten in touch and said, hey, are you doing the State of the Union thing? So just a quick announcement. I, I probably will. So I'll probably come back. I think it's if it's on at 9 o'clock, if it's later than 9 o'clock, then I'll probably give it a miss. But if Trump comes out and starts giving the State of the Union address at 9, but it'll be just on DLive. So DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. If you want to watch the State of the Union with us tonight, uh, be there or kindly be square. And just a word of warning, I will be talking over the top of it at times because one, I have to conform to fair use um, laws, which means, you know, I can't just restream somebody else's stream without adding something to it or detracting from it, however, whatever your perspective. So I will be talking over it at times. And also because I'm a bit of a chatterbox and I can be annoying like that, talking at inappropriate moments. So that's probably what's going to happen. So if you want to watch it, you know, uninterrupted and without commentary, then uh, there's plenty of other streams that'll be doing it. But so at 9 p.m. Eastern, I think Donald Trump is coming out to give the State of the Union. So we'll be streaming it on DLive.tv and having a little chat whilst Donald Trump regales the audience with, I'm sure, lots of positive messages about winning walls, unemployment for blacks and Hispanics and a whole bunch of other things. So should be good. Should be fun. It should be called the State of the Union. We'll call it the State of the Punion. How about that? So thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. <laughs> In D-Live, thank you very much for playing, Doc. I'll never see this stupid show again. What time are you on tomorrow? <laughs> exactly. Thank you. <clears throat> Before we get to our main items tonight, I do want to get to Brexit because that's happened over the last week and we've been busy with other things. And I found a video that I wanted to watch with you, like genuine reaction. I haven't watched a second of it. But there are a few things now, you know, we've been doing this long enough. We can kind of predict the way that corporate media is going to report things just based on little things like what they title their video and who is putting the video out. You know that it's going to have a particular slant on it, right? So I have a video lined up for later on that I want to watch with you called, <clears throat> it's from Sky News, by the way. It's called, Why Did Labor's Red Wall Turn Blue? 
And as soon as I saw that title, I thought of UK Neil, and I'm like, oh, we have to watch this together. You know it's going to be fun. You know that Sky News in the UK is going to be doing their absolute best. They are going to be tying themselves into pretzel-like knots, trying to explain away the most humiliating defeat for Labor in the UK over the last 100 years. They're going to have to come up with something magical, something fantastical, something otherworldly. Some kind of brilliant interpretation of history is going to have to take place in order for the Labour sycophants in the United Kingdom press to regain any portion of their pride and self-worth. So we have to watch that. We'll get to that at some point. And I do have a bit of follow-up as well from yesterday's show about the Canaro uh, virus. <laughs> Camaro virus. I've got a Camaro virus. i got to have me one of those V8s. Fuck it, yeah. The coronavirus, as I take a sip of Mexican beer, and, of course, technology leaking into our schools. We'll recap a little bit of that as well. Plus, go over Iowa. Before any of that, though, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of random stories for your consideration, if we may. Welcome to the Daily Boogie on this Tuesday night edition. Uh, don't worry, we'll get to Avi. This one caught my attention. Super Bowl party shooter mistook 49ers flag for rival gang colours. Yeah. Everything's going really well in the state of California. <laughs> the California gunman who fatally shot a man at a pre-Super Bowl party opened fire because he mistook the 49ers flag outside the victim's home for a rival gang's colours, according to a new report. Uh, there, there you see, obviously, oh, the Bloods, right? That rival, <laughs> That rival SF gang. Horrifying. Daniel Gonzalez, 34, a homeless member of the Playboy Sereno gang, walked up to Revelers Saturday, the day before the big game, and shot Frank Rojas, 24, with a makeshift zip gun during a heated argument the Fresno Bee reported. Rojas underwent surgery at Community Regional Medical Center, where he was pronounced dead. Authorities initially said the shooting stemmed from an, an argument over the Super Bowl, in which the men were, quote, rooting for different teams, but now believe that Gonzalez mistook the 49ers flag for a rival gangs in the dispute. What a wonderful place of hope and dreams. You can be shot dead in your own home by a homeless gangbanger. I didn't even know that you could have a homeless gangbanger. What turf is he protecting if he has no home? <laughs> this is my cardboard box. You get out of my dumpster, you son of a bitch. I own this alleyway. Doesn't make any sense to me. So you can be sh you can be shot dead by a homeless gangster uh, because he mistakes the San Francisco 49ers flag for a rival gang flag, which is apparently out the front of somebody's house, a house that he does not own. And, you know, of course it's tragic. Of course it's a tragic story. Of course it's an avoidable death. Of course, it's a horrible, you know, yet again, a horrible headline associated with unnecessary murder and gun violence. But on the upside, because we are always looking for positives on this program, it's a very positive broadcast. We like to look for the positives. On the upside, he didn't have to watch the 49ers choke in the last quarter and lose the Super Bowl. He may even be thankful. Okay. 
It's at this point, if you're a liberal, you say, this guy is fucking disgusting. That's an awful thing to say. I'm never coming back. Okay. There you go. Didn't have to watch his team lose. In other breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, big news. Alita Battle Angel on HBO. Never heard of it myself. Why do cyborgs have breasts? An investigation. I'm glad that somebody's investigating this. I'm glad that we are tackling the big issues, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I'm just wasting people's time for the first 15, 20 minutes. So hopefully the people who are in here the first time, this is their hazing. This is the hazing portion of the program. What, he's making jokes about people getting shot dead by gangbangers. He's talking about cyborgs having breasts. What the fuck is this? I want them to go to the people who recommended that they come here and say, why the hell did you put me onto this show? This is ridiculous. And then they'll be like, didn't you see the part about the coronavirus? Didn't you see the part about the surveillance state and the facial recognition software going into our schools? No, all he was talking about was why do robots have tits? I think we're watching different shows. We must be. So I'm just working through that churn. A critical moment in Alita Battle Angel, which airs on HBO at 8pm Eastern, Alita, the cyborg battle angel, there she is, herself imagines herself a new body. And how does a super advanced cyborg with no memory of her past imagine her body? With bigger breasts and slimmer hips, of course. (laughs) Now, director Robert Rodriguez and producer co-writer James Cameron, who adapted the film from the Yukito Koshiro's Japanese manga, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not one of the manga guys. I never got into that stuff. <laughs> I will kill you. Uh, hardly the first offenders in the robots have big boobies phenomenon. It is, however, more notable in Alita Battle Angel because there is a scene in which Alita, played by actor Rosa Salazar, literally grows larger breasts right before our eyes. And then all of a sudden, I must tune in and watch this program. A quick primer for the uninitiated. We're on Earth in the year 2563, and a scientist named Dr. Dyson, uh, Dyson, Dr. Dyson Ido, <laughs> discovers a cyborg with a broken body, but with a working human brain. See, that's, that's of course, that's where you have to suspend disbelief straight away, right? What, there's a beautiful alien cyborg running around who can just grow herself bigger breasts and slimmer hips? (laughs) And they say she's got a working brain, huh? (laughs) Classic. Classic. Well, it's definitely in the realm of fantasy, am I right? It definitely counts as science fiction, huh? He puts her in a new body, names her after his dead daughter. That's not creepy at all. And essentially adopts her. A leader who has no memories of her past life soon realises she's not just any cyborg, she's a cool cyborg with super fighting abilities. Eventually, her newfound love of fighting gets her new body damaged, and so Waltz puts her in a new new body. This new new body transfigures itself based on how the person inside it sees themselves, which is how we get Alita, looking pretty much like she did before, but sexier. Listen, I'm not saying the entire movie is garbage, but at this moment, objectively ridiculous. As New York Times reviewer Manhala Dargis wrote, why does Alita, who has a human brain, even have breasts? Why does any cyborg that isn't a sex bot or a wet nurse? It's a great question. I tried to think of a few reasons. 
I have to admit, that's a good and logical reason. Oh, sorry, here's one. Alita still has the mind of a human woman and probably wants to look like one. That's one possible reason why cyborgs have breasts. I know, right? A lot of copy is expended uh, investigating the big topics. I have to admit, that's a good and logical reason, but it fails to explain why she decided to hang on to her giant alarming bug eyes. <laughs> Where are bug eyes? Oh, right, okay. Gee, I thought we were worried about people's looks. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind the breasts as, as long as she got rid of those hideous eyes. I'm sick of people objectifying women. Also, hate to break it to you, girl, but most human women don't look like Barbie dolls. Yeah, but she wants to look like, you know, what she wants to look like. She doesn't want to look like yeah, ugly, obese, angry feminist reviewers, I think, probably. I don't think anybody does. Even the angry, obese, feminist, pink-haired reviewers themselves probably don't want to look like that. So it's not our fault. Don't get angry at the world. You know what I mean? Jump on a Stairmaster. Alita plans to distract her enemies by flashing them like Phoebe did in that one episode of Friends. Uh, and the last reason, which is very titillating. Alita is a nap fiend and she didn't want to pass up the chance for portable squishy pillows. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the age-old question has finally been somewhat sort of answered in a roundabout way, but not really. Why do cyborgs have breasts? All of the links that we use on tonight's show will be in the show notes on the Podbean website after the show, as usual. So, of course, if you want to get deeper into that uh, philosophical debate, then you can do so by checking the Podbean website after we're done. Uh, a follow-up, follow-ups from yesterday. First of all, we spoke about the use of technology in schools and the kind of nightmarish dystopian scenarios that can arise from having things like facial recognition cameras in schools like they're doing in China last year and like they're doing in Australia now and how children have been normalised to accept security checkpoints at schools. So by the time they become, you know, 16, 17 or 18, they're going to think nothing of having their individual rights or individual freedoms, their individual liberty infringed upon because it's just been what they're used to for the last decade citizens in their own country having to go through security checkpoints to go from one building to another. In China, now, five- and six-year-old students are wearing headbands which have a light on the top and it monitors the level of focus that that child has in the classroom at any given time. If the child is concentrating on their schoolwork, a red light appears on the headband. If they are distracted, a blue light appears on the headband and an alert gets sent to the teacher's desk nightmarish scenario horrifying the way we are trying to program the next generation to just accept these kinds of social digital digital social control mechanisms and oversight and surveillance but all of this hideousness and all of these nightmarish scenarios don't come without a sense of justice in the universe sometimes Thank you for the diamond, Joe Angie. Most appreciated. It doesn't come without some humour along the way. I picked this up earlier this morning. False bogus tips plague Florida's new school safety app. 
We're going to get into apps more later on, thanks to Iowa. School leaders say, so let's have a look. What's the problem with technology and the school safety app in Florida? Yes, it's another Florida story. It's a taxpayer-funded app that's supposed to make schools safer. Florida students have reported thousands of tips through that new app. But tonight, iTeam investigator Katie Legrone explains why the app is causing a lot of frustration and how we're all paying for it. <laughs> guys, guys, we are spending money to keep children safe. We're spending money to keep the children safe. So the children can anonymously report things at their school. So the children can have access to an app which allows them to anonymously report other students at their school and these reports go directly to law enforcement officials. This is taxpayer funded, of course. Apparently 911 doesn't work anymore. 911 isn't good enough. So we need to give the kids, because they're all looking at the phone anyway, we need to give them an app so they can have direct access. So they can have a report show right up on the sheriff's desk, right? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly happen if we arm kids with a an anonymous reporting feature on their phones where they can tattle on other students at their school? I can't imagine any negative consequences coming from this whatsoever. Exactly. Thank you, Mr. Governor. Please write us a check. Sign the check over. Let's get this done. We need to keep the students safe. If you want to know what Florida students are reporting through the state's new school safety app, the state won't tell you. It's exempt. Ah. Email the spokesperson from the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, ah. which oversees the app. Yeah. But ask school districts. Come into the restroom so you can see my private part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like none of these people ever went to high school. It's like none of them have have any memory of what it was like to be young at all. You just know this you know this report happened in like the first 5 minutes, right? Where the they got all of the students into the into the hall, into the sports hall, right? Sat them all down. They brought out the the, the policeman He's like, here's the app. And they put up, you know, on an overhead projector, here's how you use the app. This is about keeping you safe. <laughs> We're very proud to be rolling out this technology for our students. Here's how you use it. Here's how you write a report. Here's how you send it. It's all anonymous. Nobody will ever know it was you who sent it. So you can feel completely safe when you report things. You just know as soon as they walked out of that hall, one kid downloaded the app and wrote, hey, come into the bathroom and I'll show you my dick. <laughs> Send. <laughs> of course that happened. I would be disappointed if it didn't happen. <laughs> the best part is, though, the people who make these decisions and come up with these fucking apps, who come up with these protection meme mechanisms, they think that these things don't happen. They don't anticipate this stuff happening. It's the flavor of the of the food in the cafeteria. <laughs> There's a coyote in my front yard. There's a coyote in my front yard. 
Hard. Known as Fortify Florida, <clears throat> the app is intended to Fortify Florida. Let students anonymously alert schools and law enforcement to potential wrong? trouble before it happens. Yeah, any tool. Like there's a coyote in my front yard or come and look at my penis in the washroom. <laughs> that helps people report uh, suspicious activity, you know, we think is a positive thing. This looks exactly like a guy who doesn't remember what it's like to be a teenager. Because when he was a teenager, he was still wearing the vests and the ties. He was the kid who took a briefcase to school instead of a backpack. You know what I mean? He hated school so much that he ended up working for the school district at the end of school. Now I will have my revenge. Now all of those bullies who used to make my life hell in high school, now they're going to feel my wrath. Now I'm in control. He was wetting his bed until the age of probably 23 or 24. All of his other friends, all of his other friends, of, of which there were three, went on to become programmers or, you know, billionaire playboys, even though they were nerdy at school. And he stayed, he's probably, his office is probably in the same school he went to. Thank you, Space Force Droid, for the diamond. He's probably in the same school he went to. Years later. Well, I think that, you know, when I was in high school, if we had an anonymous reporting app and I could have reported the football jocks when they uh, stole my underwear and when they dunked my head in the toilet, I think that would have made me a lot safer. I would have felt a lot safer at school. So I think that's what we should do. That's what we should roll out. Vicious activity, you know, we think is a positive thing. Inspired by the Parkland shooting, even the White House gave Florida a nod for it. Ah. Big <laughs> oh no, not Mr. Trump. Surely, Mr. Trump, you must understand that there are impressing, important events that need to be reported. Like little Timmy's Willie in the bathroom. Or what 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 the hamburgers taste like in the cafeteria. Priority, Florida is getting it done, tweeted President Trump. But while the phone app has generated over 6,000 tips statewide since it went live in 2018. It's just frustrating. Some school districts are now calling out its failures. We get a lot of erroneous tips that take up a lot of time. Where information was not deemed credible. Not as useful as it could be. Back in October, one tip alerted Indian River County authorities. See, it takes two years for any negative story to come out about it, though. Because this would have been the thing like, you know, this would have been something that a lot of people in this area would have asked for, thinking that it's going to keep people safe. Thinking that it's going to keep people safe. The protection meme. Let's do something. I know, we'll come up with an app where people can anonymously report things to the local authorities. That will keep people safe. Of course, it doesn't keep anybody safe. It lets a lot of parents think that it's keeping their children safe, which is probably the main reason for doing it. Right? But I mean, how much easier is it going to be? Just say somebody enters school grounds with a firearm, intend intent on, you know, blowing people away. Is it, you know, are you going to send a fucking message to the local police using your app or are you going to dial 911? Right? In the past, previous school shooters, like, 
Uh, I forget which one it was. It might have been the Parkland shooter. Wasn't he known to the authorities for like 12 months beforehand? Didn't didn't they go over to his house multiple times? Didn't students make multiple reports about that shooter? All of which were eventually ignored. Right? So the only difference between that and this is uh, with that situation before, say anything, anything to get the responsibility off the authorities, anything to get the responsibility out of the hands of law enforcement. They knew that guy. They knew the last school shooter. They had reports about him. They went over to his house. They did nothing. They did nothing about it. So the only difference between then and now is uh, now, in order to ignore the genuine complaints and the genuine reports about potentially dangerous people at school, they must first sift through thousands of messages where people are asking them to send dick pics or there's a coyote in my front yard or the hamburgers in the cafeteria taste like dog shit. That, that, that's the only difference. They now have to sift through layers and layers and layers of trolling, which didn't exist before. And then they come out and say, well, the app's not really doing what it's supposed to do. No, no, no. The app's only there because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and you're trying to come up with a different roundabout excuse for that being the case. Authorities to a Snapchat post <coughs> claiming a student was going to shoot up this middle school. Ah, right. Police spent all night investigating, searched the boy's home to discover it originated with a girl angry over their breakup. Yep. <laughs> mm. Who would have thought that this kind of app and this kind of technology could ever, ever, ever be used for frivolous purposes? Who would have thought that jilted lovers, jilted teenage lovers would ever use this kind of technology if it were handed to them on a silver platter in order to make, I don't know, false accusations about the boys that they don't like in high school or the girls or whoever. Hmm. Very surprising that teenagers would act this way, right? We had no idea that this kind of thing would happen. <laughs> the government, ladies and gentlemen, protecting you, keeping your children safe. Shoot up this middle school. Police spent all night investigating, searched the boy's home to discover it originated with a girl angry over their breakup. We acted in the best interest of children. In Pasco County of the one... You, you keep telling yourself that, Chief. 150 tips received, the majority turned out not to be credible. One even... The majority turned out not to be credible. Not one or two here and there, not a handful, not 20, not 10%, not 30%. Not even 45%. Most of them aren't credible. Who would have thunk it? Shut down an entire school, said its superintendent, Kurt Browning. <laughs> when you do that, I will assure you that there was no education uh, uh, going on that day. Yeah. Uh, no educating of students. Yep. The number of false alarms so consuming, Browning, who also leads the state's superintendents association, sent this text to the state's education boss pleading for help. Pleading for help. <laughs> it's so often the case, isn't it? There's an old saying. I don't know if it's like some Buddhist thing or something. 
I don't know who it's attributed to, but there's an old saying, uh, our problems aren't nearly as dangerous as your solutions. So the big brains, the big brains of the school boards get together and they come up with a solution for, for school shootings. They come up with a solution. Let's hand these kids these, this app so they can anonymously report shit from school. Great idea. Solved. We fixed it. But now, now the people who are in charge of monitoring this app and investigating the tips, the hot tips that they receive, like come and look at my penis in the bathroom, <laughs> the guys who are in charge with investigating that, they're now asking for solutions. So we need a solution to the solution. We need to fix the fix. There is a problem with the solution which has created a new problem. I mean, human beings are incredibly dumb. We love going back back around and back onto ourselves. We love we love coming up with solutions that create more fucking problems. Over and over and over again. It's like we've got a whole we've got a whole level of employees, government employees, who just have nothing to do. So we need to come up with reasons for them to exist. Now we're going to need a task force to investigate all of the frivolous claims made on this app. We're going to need a task force to investigate the app and try and find a solution to it. And that'll cost a couple of million dollars. And maybe in a year or two, you'll get some kind of report and then they'll make changes to how the children report, and then another school shooting will take place, and then they'll blame the report that came out about the app because changes were made and we didn't foresee and we need another task force. It's a, it's a never-ending shit show, a never-ending circus. The government, ladies and gentlemen, keeping your children safe from coyotes in your front yard. Mo Monica in the chat, dear government, please stop helping us. <laughs> We've taken about as much help as we can get. Please, that's enough. Following up on yesterday's uh, coronavirus stories, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I feel like just packing it in. I feel like ending it, ending it all. Not committing suicide, just the program. Um, amid coronavirus fears, it speaks for itself. A mask shortage could spread globally. So just as the, the virus is spreading globally, uh, the masks that people need to protect themselves from said virus, well, we're running out. There's, there, there aren't enough masks. Listen to this. Most of the world's supply of masks and respirators come from China. Most of them. <laughs> There's a deadly disease coming out of China. We're not accepting any more planes out of China. By the way, can you order some more face masks? Yes. Where do they come from? China. Shit. <laughs> We're so fucked. And supply chain gap poses a risk to everyday healthcare beyond the viral epidemic. So now you won't even be able to get face masks in hospitals anymore. Because all the face masks are being used by the dying people with coronavirus. <laughs> it's been less than two weeks since the Chinese government quarantined 35 million people in the city of Wuhan and surrounding regions to control the fast-spreading coronavirus. 
But the images coming from there already have a grim familiarity. Familiarity. Empty shops and streets, long queues at hospitals, and on every face, a surgical mask covering everything below the eyes. The mask's ubiquity is a signal of people's panic over the disease and also of official actions to control the outbreak. Wuhan and several other jurisdictions are now requiring they be worn in public. And footage originally posted to the Chinese social network Weibo shows police officers using drones with loudspeakers to scold people who venture out without one. We played those clips yesterday. Another horrifying uh, distilled peek into the future, ladies and gentlemen. Drones following innocent civilians around, ordering them back to their homes and following them back to their homes whilst barking orders from some anonymous position of authority. Bone-chilling footage. And, of course, the, Ch- the Chinese put, like, some happy, like, cartoon music behind it while the, drone is, while the drone is approaching strangers in the street saying, why are you outside? Go home immediately. Put your mask on. If you go home, you are helping the state. You are doing the community a service. And behind it's like... <laughs> Very strange stuff. Clockwork Orange style. But for people who anticipate a pandemic, an expanding epidemic that rapidly crosses borders, the masks blanketing China have an unsettling second meaning. They are a reminder that Chinese manufacturing is the source of most of the world's masks and respirators. Of course it is. Of course it is. Now that the vast... Can't we make fucking masks ourselves? Can we not make masks? I don't even get... Just say... Like, not now, not now, but how about we put something in preparation now? Let's treat it like the War Powers Act, okay? So let's say if, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people die or something from this and it gets really out of control, I want the government to go into factories that have the ability to make masks and don't make masks and say to them, You are now making surgical masks. We will pay for it. The taxpayers will pay the difference between your regular product and the surgical masks. But for the duration of this crisis, this factory is now being converted into a mask-making operation. See, I'm a black uh, shirt-wearing libertarian, just as much as the next black shirt-wearing libertarian who likes to, on occasion, raise the black flag, right? But there's something that, you know, people in the West refuse to accept. And that is, we have lived under fascism many times before. During war, the population of Western countries accepts a level of fascism. But it's done on the agreement that when the war is over, we will go back to our democratic, freedom-loving, republican ways, right? But during war, the gov- we give the government certain powers, basically fascist powers, to say uh, we can lock up all of these people, we can convert these factories can now fall under government control and we'll be they'll make whatever we decide to, to make. We will now control large sections of the economy. And the citizens enter into an agreement with the government to say, okay, but when the war's over, we go back to what we had before, right? Deal? Okay, deal. Can we not make fucking masks ourselves? <laughs> There's got to be a whole bunch of textile factories still out there, probably closed down because we sent all the mask-making capabilities to China. There's probably a whole generation of mask makers out there, 60 and 70-year-olds looking for work, seamstresses and the like. 
We can get them out of out of the basement, out of the living room, away from the view, and back into the factory. Crack those knuckles, girls. We've got masks to make. You can do it. Why not? Fewer of them will likely be available to the countries that have been China's regular customers. That includes the United States. According to data compiled by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 95% of the surgical masks used in the U.S. and 70% of the respirators, thicker, tight-fitting masks that offer better protection against viruses, are made overseas. <laughs> this is a 100. This is 100% a vulnerability, says Saskia Popescu. I love that name, Saskia Popescu a biosecurity expert who is a senior infection prevention epidemiologist in an Arizona hospital system. Personal protective equipment is always going to be a problem when there is an outbreak of something novel because public health guidance will be unclear at first and there will be a run on supplies. Masks being made offshore is one more stress on the system. There you have it. The lighter side of a, of a viral outbreak, huh? Who knew that it would take a, vir- a virus outbreak, an epidemic, for people to understand just how far our textile manufacturing sector has slipped? And uh, this story, ladies and gentlemen, before we move on to other matters, uh, UK Tracy, there's a, there's, I think there's three different Tracys uh, in the audience, generally speaking. So Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a a Tracy and I think it was the UK Tracy. So if you're out there, UK Tracy, thank you for the tip. Uh, The UK Tracy mentioned the UK Tracy, like there's only one in the UK, but there's three in the audience. The UK Tracy uh, mentioned this on the show yesterday while I was streaming and I I remembered it this morning. So I pulled up the the article. (laughs) Yet another example of why racism is the real concern when it comes to the coronavirus. You remember... We spoke about all of all, all the horrible racism of people, you know, dealing with Chinese nationals, dealing with Chinese companies, for example. One poor chap, uh, when he sat down on the train, the person sitting next to him on the train, quote, shuffled over a few centimetres. So that kind of hideous racism is now rearing its ugly, bigoted head, ladies and gentlemen. Coronavirus Task Force, another example of Trump's Trump administration's lack of diversity. I shit you not. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. <laughs> Henry St. George Tucker in the chat. Priorities. <laughs> On Tuesday, Tuesday, Trump tweeted photos of a briefing he'd received on the new coronavirus spreading out of China. We will continue to monitor the ongoing developments. He does a lot of monitoring, does Donald Trump. He monitors social media. He monitors court cases. And now he is apparently monitoring the virus. Where is all this monitoring taking place, sir? We're monitoring the the wall situation. We're monitoring the border. We're monitoring the drug crisis. A lot of monitoring going on. I have five monitors in this studio. I, I do a lot of monitoring myself. I know how he feels. Very busy man. It's very tough to take take stock of all of these monitors when you're monitoring. We will continue to monitor the ongoing development, the president said in his post. We have the best experts every anywhere in the world, and they are on top of it 24-7 with the customary exclamation mark. Who are these experts, the author asks. 
They're largely the same sorts of white men who've dominated the Trump administration from the very beginning. (laughs) By contrast, former President Barack Obama's circle of advisors in the wake of the 2014 Ebola outbreak in West Africa was hardly so monochromatic. Neither was it abysmal in terms of gender diversity. And then they put in brackets, of course, to contextualise, Obama's administration on the whole was far more diverse than Trump's, which is a very bitchy way. (laughs) It's a very bitchy thing to do in an article, I think. And yet, as unsurprising as the diversity issue in the Trump era has become, it's still worth pointing out from time to time, especially as the country approaches the 2020 presidential election in earnest. I suspect that's why the author wanted to point out the apparent lack of diversity in the coronavirus team. The team of experts who have been put together to come up with strategies to combat a deadly worldwide viral infection. You know how people say sometimes that uh, politics is beginning to mimic, uh, you know, Hollywood. It's becoming so fake. Now, political writers think that, you know, action groups or committees or focus groups in politics, they think it's like a casting for a new superhero movie. Like if we don't have the black epidemiologist on the set, then it's not legitimate. If we don't have a disabled minority pregnant trans person somewhere on this panel, then there's no point for the panel existing. (laughs) People genuinely believe this stuff and have jobs at CNN, which is probably the least surprising part about all this. That's partly because, uh, that's partly because the recent photos of the best experts telegraph the kinds of people the administration deems worthy of holding power and even being in close proximity to it. They communicate a patronage network that everyone is operating under, as Eric Yellen, an associate professor of history and American studies at the University of Richmond, told the Washington Post last year about a different set of photos. So we're putting quotes in this story about different photos. (laughs) I don't know why people say it's fake news. I don't know why people say CNN is fake news. We're just bringing the truth. Hey, I've got a uh, hey, I've got a couple of quotes here about a different set of photos. Would it be okay if I just uh, slip them in, you know, randomly about a, di- a totally different story? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> the editors take great pride in their work at CNN. I have some quotes about an unrelated story. Do you mind if I use them here? Of course not. Go for it. We make the rules. <laughs> Having that network be interracial is really important. They're literally using quotes about a completely different topic in a di- on a different day, on a different year. But the visuals have come to define the Trump administration, that have come to define the Trump administration, say something else too. Thank you, Third Eye Texas, for the diamond. Most appreciated. They signal which people in a multiracial, half-female country Trump values the opinions of Mostly white men who are the mirror images of the president himself. There you go. That explains the lack of diversity of the coronavirus task force, according to CNN. Uh, If you wanted to uh, know a little more about this author, 
they CNN has very conveniently put a list of his other articles right here in this on this little box here in this little widget. So let me read the other articles that this chap has written for CNN, and I want you to see if you can if you can uh, observe a pattern, perhaps a rhetorical pattern, a narrative pattern, maybe just maybe. I mean, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but just see if anything stands out for you. Here are some other articles that this chap's uh, this chap's written. Number one, Michael Bloomberg and the tradition of expecting black forgiveness. Okay. Number two, Bernie Sanders articulates the quieter complexities of oppression. Yeah. Are, we, are we seeing a are we seeing a pattern here? <laughs> Number three, and probably the least hyperbolic title of these articles. Reckoning with the spectre of lynching in Trump's America. Mm, fascinating read. Uh, number four, racism, Bernie Sanders, and the limits of, quote, respect. Number five, the racial politics of gun control. And number six, how Trump speaks to black Americans says a lot about his vision for the country. And then this one, of course, number seven, coronavirus task force task force another example of trump administration's lack of diversity all seven of these articles written by this same guy all about racism i mean i've heard of one trick pony before but maybe it wouldn't kill you to branch out a little (laughs) just saying just saying if you're concerned, ladies and gentlemen, about the coronavirus, if you're concerned about your loved ones falling ill, if you're concerned that potentially one day in the future you may come across a situation, a circumstance where you may not be able to care for a loved one, this is a reality that faces a lot of people, a lot of working class people, a lot of poorer people, especially in Western countries. Well, I've got good news for you. No, the good news is not that your mother-in-law is going to be dead. That's, that's for you to figure out. The good news is that I could potentially, with this next article, pardon me, take one of those concerns away from your brain. We can make the transition from pre-coronavirus to post-coronavirus a little easier. We could potentially, if you don't have a lot of money and you're concerned about things like the cost of funeral for your poor family we can take one of those concerns away as you pass into the next life. Make you nice and comfortable whilst you're coughing up blood clots and essentially suffocating to death. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the do-it-yourself coffin kit. Yes, yes. I had the unfortunate experience of going to Ikea a few weeks ago uh, purchasing a few flat packs and then spending the next four or five hours swearing at myself, um, you know, remembering how to use a drill, um, putting things together, which I really don't like doing that kind of handyman type shit. I'm really not built for that. I'd much rather, um, you know, cook a spit roast and drink cold beer in the hot sun. That's generally more my kind of go as a guy. Not a, really a Mr. Fix-It kind of dude. I'm a Mr. Call-Somebody-Who'll-Fix-It kind of dude. <laughs> So I didn't enjoy that experience at all. Oh, my fucking Space Force droid. Oh, my fucking God. I'm dead now. Well, good news. Now we can save you money on those, those expensive funeral costs. 
You can now buy a do-it-yourself coffin kit to help keep funeral costs down. See, the ironic part for me is I would buy the do-it-yourself coffin, but then I would kill myself trying to put it together. So I was just like, okay, well, he did finish it, but then he had a heart attack because he was so frustrated trying to put it together. So let's just throw him in the box and dig a hole in the backyard. The relatively inexpensive kit includes a fold-out coffin, duvet set and urn, all for a bargain price. But it doesn't include undertakers, a grave or transport. You'll have to transport your own dead relative. Just strap him to the roof of the station wagon, put some ropes around through the window. <laughs> Maybe put them on the back seat of your Hyundai, but just wind down both windows so you've got a little bit of coffin sticking out each side of the car as you go down the freeway. Just put a little red flag on either side so nobody sideswipes you. <laughs> Foolproof, trust me. And just load them into the back of your pickup truck, standing up like a refrigerator. You can now buy a DIY funeral kit, and it's seriously strange. Shall we take a look at the do-it-yourself coffin? I think we must. I think we shall. Okay. So it looks pretty straightforward. It doesn't look too bad. Looks like a nice, comfortable satin. You know, a nice, comfortable satin or silk. It wouldn't be silk, would it? It'd be something cheap. It would have to be satin. Poor man's silk. Okay. Looks, it looks like it goes together pretty easily. Doesn't appear to be any nailing or gluing or drilling or screwing taking place, which is always a plus. Because you, you might only have minutes to live, you know. You might be old and frail, so this thing needs to be, you know, very easily constructed at a moment's notice. Dr. Sexy says, just toss them in the back with some bungee cords. <laughs> They've really put it together in like 60 seconds. Uh, the kit contains everything you need to give yourself a modest send-off, all for under 300 pounds. <laughs> Follow Q says, the music is perfect. <laughs> The music is kind of like uh, those home improvement shows when they say, what we're going to do is we're going to paint the walls purple and then we're going to bring in a whole bunch of furniture and we're going to change the lampshades. And then they do that sped up motion over the next couple of hours while people are running around and moving things and painting and stuff. That's the kind of music overlay they have for those kinds of shows. There you go. There's even latches for an open casket ceremony fitted with decorative tassels. Isn't it wonderful? They've really thought of everything, haven't they? <laughs> well done. The Japanese, huh? Fantastic stuff. A do-it-yourself coffin kit to help keep funeral costs down. That's right. We deal with the important issues here on the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. I want to show you very quickly a quick video, and then we'll get into some Iowa stuff. Um, a lot of you probably already know this guy. This is Avi Yemeni. Uh, he's associated with the Rebel News in Australia. Um, I know people have issues with the Rebel News. I'm neither here nor there with them. Sometimes I like something they do and then other times I don't like what they do. So it's, I don't really have like a predisposition, not even just to them, to most media sources, to be fair. It's not how I roll. So, but Avi, I... He's kind of like, uh, he does a lot of this man on the street stuff. Um, he brought Milo out here a few years ago and he went on tour with him, like asking him questions and shit. Uh, he's like a, 
he's a bit of a smart ass. You know, he goes to lefty rallies and stuff. I quite a lot of people don't like him. I quite like the guy. I think he's great. He always makes me laugh. I think he's one of the boys. So he went out on Australia Day, which if you're an American, Australia Day uh, corresponds with the landing of the first fleet in Australia. And this, of course, has been marred in probably the last decade or two by protests from people who say that it represents, you know, white Europeans invading Aboriginal land. So that topic you can argue on your own time. So uh, Yemeni went out to one of these rallies where people were saying it's invasion invasion day, fuck Australia day, blah, 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 and decided to talk to a few people. The reason I want to show you this is because of what happens next. Uh, Avi Yemeni is approached by the police. And because we've been talking about the protection meme, because we've been talking about in the future and, and, and currently now, we're having our individual rights stripped. We're having freedoms taken away from us under the guise of protecting us from ourselves more often than not, right? We need to take free. Freedom is too dangerous for you. Freedom is too scary. We need to take your freedoms away to protect you. And this to me, like Australia Day was a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. This to me illustrates that probably better than anything I've seen. Taking your individual rights, taking your liberties away to keep you safe. This is literally what the police say to him. I can't really give you shit. What are we dressed for? Is this Australia Day? Yeah, we're from Mexico. Mexico. From Mexico. Yeah. Viva Mexico! Viva Mexico! Yeah. Do you love Australia? Yeah, I love it. I love, I love it. Are you are you residents here? No. Mamacita! Are you illegals? No. I'm just joking. I want to ask you. You don't want to see my visa? Should yeah. <laughs> should, should Australia build a wall? <laughs> you paid it? Uh, I'm paid it. So you're going to pay it? Yeah, we're trying to work that so out. So how much are you going to give Lydia Thorpe? I don't know. We're trying to work that out. All these different companies yeah. that are under different names to attract people to give them money. Yeah. And they're all going to funerals, apparently. You can't go to, um, you can't apparently go to funerals. Are you marching here today with this lot? No, I'm not. No? I couldn't conscientiously do it. No Why way. not? Australia has been a bastion of freedom. Look at what we're doing. We're suggesting that through, yes, there have been improper elements of justice in the system before. But at the same time, to tear it all down in one sweep would lead to the same global catastrophe that caused the Cold War. I can't stand for that. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we found our first Australian groiper <laughs> who looks to be heavily under the influence of marijuana, judging by those eyes. Holy shit. <laughs> he's, either, he's either incredibly stoned or hasn't slept for three years, one or the other. But those eyes are red like the fires of hell. And so he's obviously, you know, in the anti-Australia anti Day grouping. The Aussie Groiper. Yes, he's, he doesn't he? D-Live Dingus. Aussie Groiper, right? He's dressed nice. <laughs> so are you marching with these people? No, I couldn't conscientiously march with those people. <laughs> Straight away, my ears went, hmm? hmm? So- sounds like Groiper talk to me. 
Look at what we're doing here. Australia is a bastion of freedom. If we tear it all down, we'll lead into the exact same scenario that we had with the Cold War. And it's like, yep, yep. Aussie Groper. Aussie Groper confirmed. <laughs> the global catastrophe that caused the Cold War, I can't stand for that. Have you paid your... I won't stand for it. The rent today? My rent? Yeah. We're going to have to deport you back to New Zealand, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, I do have citizenship. Does that work? <laughs> Cut. Then suddenly, the usual suspects, a group of about 50 professional protesters that I see at every single left-wing protest, surrounded me in an attempt to intimidate and disrupt me from conducting intimidate. interviews. He's very articulate, isn't he? He articulates every single syllable. They attempt to disrupt me from conducting interviews. <laughs> you best of you, missus. Listen, listen to this. Listen to what the police say to him. I'm, I'm good. I know you are. If they're getting violent, we're concerned for your safety. Huh? Huh? We need to remove you from this public space because you're getting attacked. We need to take you away. We need to lead you away from the place. We need to remove your rights. We need to remove your freedom to be here, to assemble peacefully, because other people are not assembling peacefully. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But I'm not going anywhere. I'm all right. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. I'm safe. Look, at, look at these. Look at these fucking idiots. Look at them. No, 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 no. And the little sign there that said Avi is a wife basher as they start pushing him around. <laughs> this this is a tolerant left. So it's all right, I'm walking, I'm walking, brother, I'm walking. I'm walking, brother. So, it has been really fun to watch that none of them here actually know where they're donating their money when they pay their rent. No one knows who she is. And the bushfires. And see, now they're chasing him down the road. While the cops are escorting him away, they, they're now empowered to, like, rub it in. They're now empowered to go harder, right? Rapunzel says, we're not removing the attackers. No, 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 they're, they're helping the attackers now because now they're forcing the guy to walk and he's got his back to them and they're chasing him down the street with a police escort, no less. Don't care about those. Forget about... Look, look at them. <laughs> the victims of bushfires. These guys, these guys have the moral high ground. Did you pay your rent? Did you pay your rent? Did you pay your rent? Look, he's being handcuffed. He's now being handcuffed. We're fucked. We're so fucked. He's being handcuffed because he got attacked. So I'm being arrested. And, and normally, right, like normally I'm looking for, hang on, hang on. This isn't the whole story here, right? Surely he's done something. Surely he's punched a guy. Surely he was provoked into doing something and therefore he made it so the police could arrest him. No, not on this occasion. 
for my own safety. He's being arrested for his own safety. So am I, am I being charged? Am I being charged here now? My main part is mine is your safety. Our main priority here at the moment is your safety. He's asking, am I being charged? They just refuse to answer. They just handcuff him, put him, put his back up against the wall and then stand in front of him. So he can't go anywhere. He's handcuffed. He's asking, am I being charged? And they literally say to him, to his face, our main priority right now is your safety. That's why we've put you in handcuffs. Um, it's bizarro world. It's it's up, down, backwards, bizarro world. So you've arrested me for my own safety. For breaching the peace. No. For breaching the peace. <laughs> the fucking peace. What peace? The peace that was evident with the people screaming and throwing things and pushing into him and trying to punch the, that piece where we would hate to breach that piece. Now it looks like a very peaceful situation that's happening out there. Surely the guy with the microphone is the one who is causing all of this brouhaha. Uh, you were given a direction to move on and you refused. So now we can arrest you for breaching the piece. Horrifying stuff. And like, I'm not, I'm not a cop basher. You know what I mean? But when you see shit like this, is the problem. If I now I'll be accused of like not standing up for police or whatever. And then the next week when I'm taking the copper's side, when somebody does something idiotic on the street and gets arrested, then I'll be, you know, accused of um, taking the cop's side. Like you can't win with people, right? So I'm not a cop basher by any stretch of the imagination, but this is just fucking bizarre. It's mind-boggling, and it's it's fr frankly, like I said, it's horrifying. That somebody can, you know, some innocent person, innocent party, out on the street with thousands of other people. Oh no, we told you specifically to move on. Yeah, but I haven't done anything. You haven't. I haven't broken any laws or anything. Oh, now you're being arrested for breaching the peace because we're trying to protect you for your safety. No, you can call it now. It's safe. <laughs> when it's safe to do so, we'll facilitate it. It's safe, man. It was safe for me to walk in there. No fear of this scum. This is police harassment. This has nothing to do with my personal safety. This is police harassment. I have put them on notice that they had no legal. Stop. Stop. You had no legal. Stop. I'm with him. Move you on. had no I'm legal right. You're obstructing justice. Don't let me arrest. You're. They're saying to the cameraman, "You're obstructing justice." <laughs> Fuck. Fuck a duck. There you have it, huh? It'll never happen here. Don't worry. It'll never happen here. It'll never happen here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we live in the West. We love freedom. We love liberty. We would never find ourselves in a situation where police arresting are arresting people for their own protection. 
where people are where police are arresting people for their own safety that would never happen here that's the kind of thing that happens in china or in soviet russia that would never happen here never ever don't be a conspiracy theorist not bad huh how are we going for time? Shoot. Gee, I don't know. We might not even get to the Brexit stuff today. Spent so long doing the random news stories that we're running out of time for the Brexit stuff. Let's do Iowa. I'm not going to try to explain the caucus process because I find it incredibly confusing as it is. I don't know why it exists. It's probably some weird tradition from a hundred years ago that nobody really understands why it is a thing. I don't know why it's a thing. I don't know why people participate in it. I don't know why it's still a thing. I think it's incredibly confusing and more than that, incredibly dumb and pointless. But it is what it is. It's a thing, I guess. So this, uh, somebody shared this tweet with me earlier from NPR. Sorry, I can't remember your name. Where the uh, candidates stand... Uh, 60, 62% of the caucus results counted. This is about an hour ago. Pete Buttigieg, 26.9%. Bernie Sanders, 25.1%. Elizabeth Warren, 183 Uncle Joe Biden. Joe Biden, 15.6%. So a couple of weeks ago on Trust and Verify, um, I brought to the show some polls that suggested that Pete Buttigieg was in the lead. Um, a lot of people didn't believe that, which is fine. doesn't matter. Um, it was about uh, 12 months ago when I saw Pete Buttigieg being promoted in a lot of the more fringy publications like Salon, Slate, for example, Mother Jones, right? Uh, these kinds of publications were going in hard for Pete Buttigieg. And it was at that point that I realized that this guy's probably going to be more than just a second rate candidate. Like he's going to be more than just somebody who jumps in and then jumps out like a Julian Castro. Cause there appeared to be a number of things about him that the establishment would want. I think, um, young guy. So in this particular election, ladies and gentlemen, there are more young people voting in this presidential election than has ever been the case before in American history. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, between 2016 and 2020, around 6 million people will die. And those are mainly older people who tend to vote Republican. <clears throat> and they're going to be replaced by 10 million younger voters who are just coming of age uh, electorally in the last three years who tend to vote more Democrat. Um, don't let that panic you, though. That's just the raw numbers. Of course, it depends more than that. It depends on where these people are right? It depends m m more where the people are rather than how many of the people there are. Because if those 10 million voters are going into already deep blue states and already deep blue districts, then it's not going to make any difference at all, right? If those 10 million people are coming of age and they're, you know, fiercely Democrat and they're moving into purple swinging districts or purple swinging states, then it becomes a problem for the Republicans. But I don't know the breakdown demographically. I would suspect that the larger population centres like New York and LA are going to be taking the brunt of most of the population gains over the last three years. Just a guess. Just hazard a guess. 
So it's probably not going to have an impact nationwide. Might impact a few, you know, congressional races here and there. But generally speaking, probably not as big an issue as it seems. Um, so that was that factor, right? So that they would like that, the young candidate. Because if you look at everybody else who's on the stage, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, this represents the last generation and the generation before the last generation of the DNC program, right, of the Democrat Party. Except for Bernie Sanders, of course, who's a Democrat only once every four years when he decides to nominate as one, and then he goes back to being an independent from Vermont. So there was that. Uh, also, he's gay, which again ticks a box, ticks a diversity box, which we know the Democrats are obsessed with. He's a Harvard Harvard educated uh, scholar, a Rhodes scholar, um, so he can appeal to you know the tertiary educated vote, which the Democrats like to boast about. Um, he's a he's a small town mayor or a former mayor, which again means that federally in politics he has no baggage which again the dnc would like because they know all of their other candidates i mean the baggage that was around hillary clinton probably taught them a lesson and one of the reasons why barack obama was able to win the way he did was because he was a relatively unknown quantity a relatively unknown senator who didn't even vote on various bills in the senate he just voted present right so there was that um, he's also from Indiana, which isn't technically the blue wall, but the Democrats would know that they don't have to win the election necessarily. They just have to win three states back to win the White House. That's their equation, right? Now, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm saying this is what has to happen for them to win back the White House. They need to win back basically three states, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, and Michigan, I think. I think Michigan, yeah. It's a few years ago now. Um, and that represents essentially 90,000 votes. So I, I would think that somebody, on, you know, somewhere in their campaign headquarters has 90,000 written on a whiteboard with a big circle around it. And thinking about how do, we, how do we win these? They don't have to win those voters. They have to win them back, right? How do we win these voters back? They were Democrats for 20 and 30 years, and now they're not. How do we get them back? It's different to winning people over for the first time. So you need to find somebody that kind of speaks to their middle class, working class aspirational values, right? And what better to do that? If you're somebody at the DNC, what better way to do that than to get somebody who's a local mayor, right? Somebody who's used to speaking to people on local issues and speaking at local town halls and dealing with local people's concerns, it's a different perspective from there than it is from DC, right? So for all of these reasons, I thought I can see this guy being a dark horse. And, you know, most people said I was crazy. I was stupid. It's never going to happen. He's not going to go anywhere. He's going to be the first one to drop out. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of used to that kind of shit by now. So it doesn't really worry me. But here he is. And I don't think necessarily that means this means he's going to win the nomination either. Um, I was just putting it out there for all of these factors. I can see why the DNC would be wanting to promote somebody like Pete Buttigieg. Uh, people saying in the chat that Bernie Sanders was robbed. I, I don't know, but I tend to probably, I see a lot of validity there. 
with what's taken place over the last 24 hours. It makes sense that he would be. Uh, Bernie Sanders represents, whether you like, I don't agree with Bernie Sanders' politics at all, but that doesn't change certain realities. Uh, Bernie Sanders represents an existential threat to the DNC, to the Democrat Party establishment. You know, there's a reason why they uh, fucked him out of the nomination last time, right? There's a reason that the DNC stood in Bernie's way in 2016. Uh, it's not just because they just don't like the guy. There's more serious things, right? Bernie Sanders represents an existential threat to the DNC establishment because he will enrage the donor class to the Democrat Party. The big money donors coming out of California and coming out of New York who donate to politicians and then, you know, have the politicians pass legislation or push policies that benefit them in some way. Bernie Sanders has, is not going to get on well with the donor class. He's going to tear it apart. That's, that's basically what his campaign is based on. And of all the criticisms people say about Bernie Sanders, one thing that even his most hardened critics say about him is that he actually believes what he says. Democrats and Republicans both say that, no, Bernie Sanders, he might be wrong, but he genuinely believes it. So if we are to take that on face value, then we must also believe that Bernie Sanders is going to be no friend to the handshaking gala dinner types in suits who have, pri who have private jets and yachts who want, to who want to throw millions of dollars behind the Democrat Party in order to elect a candidate to remove Donald Trump. They're not going to like Bernie for that reason. So it makes total sense to me that the DNC would be doing everything possible, legal or otherwise, to stop Sanders from getting the nomination in the first place because it would destroy them. They would go broke, right? So Pete Buttigieg in top. I, I don't know if this is real or not. I haven't had a chance to follow it up, but this is interesting. Hank's Fingers, I don't know who Hank's Fingers is, but credit to him on Twitter. This is why everyone is saying Pete the Cheat, Shadow Inc. Shadow Inc. is the company that developed the app which caused the Iowa caucus disaster, ladies and gentlemen. And if you look here, donations to Pete Buttigieg's campaign coming from, apparently, allegedly, according to the Federal Election Commission, you know, graphic that I have here, I don't know if it's real or not, software rights and subscriptions recipient Shadow Inc., Pete for America. Pete for America. So Pete for America paid Shadow Inc. two payments. Is it two payments or one payment? I think it's one payment. $21,001, ladies and gentlemen. To the company that allegedly made the app, which apparently allegedly just failed when the counting started in the Iowa caucus. Ain't that the darndest thing? If true, if true, um, I thought this was I thought this was adorable. Uh, a boomer Bernie voter, ladies and gentlemen, expressing her displeasure at the whole proceeding taking place over the last twenty four hours. I'm nervous. You know, I don't want them stealing it again. I, I don't trust the DNC to do something sneaky and underhanded. See. Again, say what you want about Bernie Sanders. Say what you will about his supporters. I get it. Communists, socialists, I get it. Blah, 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 blah. 
But the dynamic is not too dissimilar from the Donald Trump supporters in 2016, is it? Because I, I remember, like, I could, I correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the, what seemed to me as an outsider looking in, what seemed to be me one of the most persuasive streams of thought coming out of the, you know, the Trump supporters in 2015, 2016 was that they hate the Republican establishment just as much as they hate the Democrats, right? If not more. They hate the, you know, the Paul Ryans, for example, more than they hate the Democrats. They dislike the the RNC, you know, the rhinos more than they hate the Democrat Party. And it's a very similar, uh, you know, it's a very similar feel on the other side for the Bernie supporters. The only difference is in 2016, uh, Donald Trump managed to overcome all of the shit show and infighting and the attempt to steal delegates and all of that stuff that took place with him and Bernie Sanders couldn't. That's the only difference. I see anyway. Forgetting about ideology and stuff, just talking purely political. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> this, that was a very nervous laugh too. <laughs> There's Joe Biden supporters, all five of them. It's a high energy crowd. See, Lemon Tree for Truth, uh, wise to never trust the DNC. Can't trust Bernie, but trust him more than I trust the DNC. I would agree with your sentiment, but I would, I would say it a little differently. Um, I trust Bernie to be Bernie. You know what I mean? I trust that he really does mean i trust that he wants to do the things that he says he wants to do which i think are fucking horrifying i i don't trust him but i trust his nature if that makes sense right i trust the kind of politician he is that being you know a socialist but that doesn't i don't trust socialists generally speaking but i trust that he is one and he'll act like one if that makes sense People better wake up because wake up, Joe motherfuckers. Biden is the only person right now that can beat um, Trump or anybody because we're too divided. Ah, we're too divided. They certainly are. And this is why I said on last week's show, and I've been saying it for months as well, um, people constantly saying, Who's, who is Barack Obama going to endorse? Who's Bar Obama going to endorse? And I'm going to stick with my original story. I suspect that Barack Obama is not going to endorse anybody until the clear winner is identified. When there is a clear front runner, when it is obvious that there is only one possible person that can win the nomination, that's who Barack Obama will endorse. He has nothing to gain by endorsing someone now who may not win. There is absolutely nothing to profit from that. And if you look at it objectively, if you look at the Democrat side objectively, this woman is quite right. They are incredibly divided. The Bernie people hate the Warren people. The Warren people hate the Sanders people. Uh, the, the Biden people hate the Warren people. The Buttigieg people hate the other, but they all hate each other right now. The only unifying figure that the Democrats have in any way, shape or form over the last 20 years is Barack Hussein Obama. He is the only guy who most Democrats like, regardless of whether they're Bernie people or Warren people or Biden people or Klobuchar people 
or Buttigieg people or Andrew Yang people, the one thing that they have is that they all pretty much like Barack Obama, generally speaking, by and large. So they need him, right, to be that unifying figure. And you can't unify people during a campaign because campaigns are built on divisiveness. They're supposed to be divisive because you're dividing people up according to who they're going to vote for. It's literally in the name of the thing itself. Campaigns are supposed to be divisive so we can figure out who is the most popular person. So once the the twos and fro's, once the warring of the campaign is said and done, essentially, and there is a clear front runner, that's who Barack Obama will come out and endorse. And he will come out on stage with the nominee, put his arm around them, whoever they are, He's going to say that they're the best possible thing that could happen to the Democrats, that this is their only chance to to beat Donald Trump in the 2020 election, and that if you like me, Barack Obama, if you like me, you know, you might have been saying that, how are we going to get Donald Trump out of this White House? Well, we don't got time for that, okie doke. If you like me, you will get behind our candidate. Because some things are more important than inter-party feuding. We as Democrats have a responsibility to all Americans to unify behind our candidate and get Donald Trump out of the White House. If it'll, he'll say something like, if you're with me, then you have to be with this candidate. You have to be on their side because that's, the, that's what they need him to do. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. So... I want to show you this. Nick Fuentes tweeted this out before. I don't know if you know Nick Fuentes or not. Uh, He's the guy who was pushing Charlie Kirk's shit in during the recent uh, Turning Point USA speeches around various college campuses. Uh, Comically for me, I rather enjoyed that whole saga. So he tweeted this out before with the the line, what was it? Based Iowa boomer. (laughs) So not everybody... Pardon me. Not everybody wants to change their vote away from Pete Buttigieg just because uh, he's cheating. Ladies and gentlemen, some people want to change their vote away from Pete Buttigieg because of his, how can I say, lifestyle, because of his lifestyle, because of his personal relationships, perhaps. Is Is that a safe way of saying it? Uh, check this out from the Iowa caucus last night. So are you saying that he has the same sex partner? <laughs> Pete? Yes. Yeah. Are you saying that Pete has a same sex partner? Pete? <laughs> Have you heard the term low information voter before? <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't know that this level of low information even fucking existed. I didn't know this was. You must be the one person on planet Earth who didn't know that Pete Buttigieg is fucking gay. I I, I can't. I'm so happy that we met you. (laughs) No. Are you saying that Mayor Pete is a homosexual? Come on now. Oh, you're harassing me. (laughs) That's all they talk about with the guy. First gay president, first gay president, gay man, loves gay sex. He's a gay, gay, gay all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Gay, gay, gay. Are you, are you saying he's gay? 
Huh? I ain't ever heard of that. <laughs> Are you kidding? <clears throat> He's married to him, yes. We need to find out if that was serious. Well, then I don't want anybody like that in the White House. Oh! <laughs> hey! Based Democrat boomer! You're saying he's gay? Yes, that's pretty common knowledge. Well, I don't want anybody like that in the White House. <laughs> So can I have my card back? So can I have my card back, please? Yes. <laughs> Democrat voter, ladies and gentlemen. Are they still there? I don't know. Yeah. Signed it. We could go ask. You signed it. We could go ask. I never knew that. Yeah, that's that's a good reason to vote for someone. He's a human being. He's got my vote. <laughs> really mad. That's what <laughs> Ducks Regionist dropping a guinea in my lap. Thank you so much, sir. I'm most undeserving. Well he better read that's the Bible. He does, and he says that God doesn't choose a political party. Well, he better make sure, he made a bank damn sure he reads his Bible then. Because why does it say in the Bible that a man should marry a woman then? Well, I totally respect your... <laughs> this fucking poor chick handing out, handing out flyers for, for Pete, for Mayor Pete. She... <laughs> I just love it. It's delicious to me. This poor, well-meaning young Iowan working for Mayor Pete. She wants to she wants to change the world. She wants to make the world a better place. You know what I mean? And she believes in her heart of hearts that Mayor Pete is the guy to make her dreams come true. He's gonna make a fairer America, a nicer, but he's gonna be every he's gonna treat everybody so good. He's just a nice human being. God damn it. And I just want I just want to do my bit. I want to help my guy get in. God bless her. Volunteering. Thankless job. So she's there, well-meaning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, full of piss and vinegar, handing out her little handing out her little pamphlets. <laughs> and she now finds herself in a biblical discussion, a theological discussion, a feel a philosophical discussion with somebody who is against homosexuality asking if Mayor Pete reads the Bible or not. Look, I just, he's like a human being. <laughs> he's just a nice guy. Yeah, but how come it says in the Bible that a man should marry a woman, huh? Hmm? Uh, look, I respect your viewpoint. <laughs> do you? Do you really, though? Do you? Your viewpoint on this, I so totally do. But I think that we were not around. How come this has never been brought out before? We were not around when the Bible was written, she said. Well, Joe Biden possibly was. It's common knowledge. I never heard it. I never heard he was gay. <laughs> I want my card back. <laughs> um, she, she, she doesn't know what to say. She doesn't know what to say to the person who didn't know Mayor Pete was gay before she voted for the guy and now wants to take her vote back.
She has nothing. <laughs> She's got nothing to fall back. I was not trained for this. <laughs> she's, she's try she's she's trying to explain away the bible oh well maybe there weren't gay people around when the bible was written you know like he's just a human being it's just like keep shoveling mate <laughs> keep digging we can talk to someone if you, if you need to talk to them about this i don't know all the rules on this or not but i guess what i would like you to just dig deep inside and think like should it matter if it's a woman or if it's a man or if they're heterosexual or i just want you to think deep inside yeah i thought about it i don't want the gay guy i don't want the homo <laughs> Homosexual. If you believe in what they say. That's my question. SK, the Democrats are off to a perfect start, and we can only see blue skies and clear sailing from here on out. <laughs> Good morning, starshine. Thank you, Drew Jackson's Taint and Streamlabs. Yeah, it's only going to get better from here, guys. They're, they're, they're out of the gate, they're running at 100 miles an hour. Everything is going swimmingly for them, isn't it? <laughs> Unbelievable. And, like, it was a meme, right? It was a meme before to say that, like, I, I don't think that even the most committed Donald Trump supporter or the most even, forget fucking Donald Trump, forget about him, the most committed anti-Democrat, right, I don't think the most committed anti-Democrat would have expected in a million years their first outing for the... They, they've been saying for three years, this is the most important election of our country's history. It's the most important election in our lifetimes, right? Nobody would have expected them to make such a fucking meal out of it the first time out, the first opportunity they get. They've, they're losing votes. They can't count. The app's not working. There's misreporting. People are saying that it's rigged already. They, they've, they've done one count in one state. There's 49 states to go. <laughs> Like, it's not going to get easier. <laughs> it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to get harder now. There's a lot bigger states out there, a lot more contentious states. This is main, This is just, as you know, Van Jones said on CNN, Iowa is pretty much just white people. <laughs> wait, wait until you start injecting the racial aspects into different states. Holy shit. Isn't that going to be fun, huh? So their first opportunity, they can't count. They're losing votes. They're saying it's rigged. CNN and MSNBC are going live and doing broadcasts for counts and having no numbers come in, having to sit there and talk about it for six hours, trying to fill the air. And they've they've got their own their own voters when when they have when they they're cheering from the rooftops saying. This is our first openly gay candidate. Here's our first openly gay candidate. Vote for Mayor Pete. He's our first gay candidate. Homosexuality baby. He's our homo sapien. <laughs> our homo homo sapien. 
He's our gay man in the White House. Let's get him in. They have their own voters coming up to them saying, well, I didn't know he was a homosexual. I want my goddamn vote back. I don't want a man like that in the White House. Are you kidding me? I never heard of that. Does he read his Bible? Does he know he's supposed to marry a woman? What the fuck is going on here? (laughs) What a circus. What a complete fucking circus. (laughs) And look, like it all just went right down. If you're a Democrat in the audience, yeah, please try to see this because right now you're accusing me of being a Republican shill, right? I get it. Fine, don't care. Try to see this from an international perspective. I know that's going to be tough for you. For the last three years, the international media has been reporting that the Democrats are smart. They're committed. They're focused, they're professional, they're everything that Donald Trump is not, right? This is the story that all of us outsiders who are just watching on, eating our popcorn with no particular emotional attachment to any of your candidates that you love so much on either side, we're just sitting here eating our popcorn, watching it like it's a soap opera, like it's a movie, okay? So for the last three years, you have been trying to tell us, the viewers, that Donald Trump reigns over a White House that is full of chaos. It's chaotic. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody follows orders. Nobody understands what's happening. He's changing everything. It's dangerous. It's chaos. It's maniacal. It doesn't make sense, etc., etc., etc. And the flip side to that is obviously we Democrats here, we want to put your mind at ease. We are the professional. We are the focused. We are the ones who care. We're going to do it the right way. And then your very first time out, as we are all watching after being told this story for the last three years, eating our popcorn, this is what you present. A shit show. People... Teenagers handing out prom tickets could do a better job of counting numbers than your party did. A a 10-year-old at a lemonade stand would keep better books than you've managed to keep here with the entirety of the Democrat Party watching and, you know, being, you know, watching on and trying to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. You have royally screwed the pooch and you are, I'm sorry to say this, I'm sorry if you're a Democrat watching, you are now far beyond Donald Trump in any way that you can imagine. You are now an international laughing stock. You are an international joke. This is pathetic. And you can have all of the concerns and all of the cries and all of, oh, racism, bigotry, kids in cages, climate change, all of the usual shit. Guess what? It's not going to matter anymore. This is you now. This is you. A confused, incoherent mass of undereducated volunteers and people who can't can't tally numbers and didn't know that the gay candidate was gay. <laughs> this is your story now. 
I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Trump campaign are already shooting commercials with this footage. On the toilet is where it all just went. Uh, my support for beat po- uh, Pete Buttigieg just went into the toilet. Committed Democrat voter, ladies and gentlemen. Ain't that something? All right. We're getting towards the end here. Uh, just a quick reminder, I will be back at 9pm tonight. As long as the president's um, giving the State of the Union address, I wasn't going to do anything, but a few people have asked me, like, will you stream the State of the Union address? So I will. I'm happy to. Um, but just a well, warning, it's only on DLive, dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. So if you are watching on one of the other platforms, then please head over to DLive and sign up if you want to join us and watch the State of the Union with us. And I will be talking over the top of it at times because fair use dictates that I must. And I'm a pretty annoying prick who has, you know, who's a bit of a chatterbox at the same time. So I will be interjecting with probably um, inane observations and bad jokes and sarcasm and levels, layers of cynicism, which will probably enrage you when you're trying to be inspired by the president's words, just to let you know. So we will be doing that at, uh, I think it's 9pm when he comes out. So we'll take a little break for about an hour or so, and then we'll come back on, just on DLive. Here's a fun one. (laughs) The Democrats aren't completely stupid, though. Let's be fair. They have learnt their lesson, ladies and gentlemen, from four years ago when the online trolls, you know, the tro- the Pepe memes and the trolls and the 4chan, ladies and gentlemen, oh, the 4chan, whoever that guy is, that Chinese guy, Mr. Chan on the internet, hmm, is that you, Mr. Chan? <laughs> the Democrats' new online troll fighters makes them sound like fucking superheroes, doesn't it? I'm a Democrat troll fighter. Makes 2020 debut in Iowa. So it's working well, isn't it? <laughs> let's, should we play the video? Let's tell you what, let's read a little first. The guidance had been circulated among a group of Russians who were covertly running a vast network of social media accounts seeking to divide Democrats and push the candidacy of Donald Trump. The instructions were later found during special counsel Robert Mueller, uh, and I would correct the uh, author here, Robert S. Mueller III. Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. Four years later, unhappy with Silicon Valley's efforts to curb the manipulation of its platforms, the Democratic Party has developed capabilities of its own to monitor and tackle disinformation online. They're tackling it, ladies and gentlemen. The first in the nation caucuses here Monday will be the Democrats' first 2020 test of its new team on a day when voters have their say. Oh, and what a day they had. (laughs) Hey, what a day it was. It was a great day for the tech side of the DNC operation. They did tremendously well. Round of applause. Everybody give the DNC tech boys and girls, the troll fighters, a round of applause. They certainly prove that they're winning the technology battle. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> the effort reflects Democrats' growing discontent with Silicon Valley executives like Mark Zuckerberg and highlights concerns that viral disinformation could have an impact on this year's election. It's like algorithmic wars here. It's kind of crazy. 
a Democratic National Committee staffer who works on the Democrats' new counter-disinformation team Ring said on Saturday... and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Christy Christy. Said on Saturday, as preparations were underway in Des Moines, the staffer asked not to be identified due to the nature of their work and possi- possibly being subjected to online harassment themselves. That's not a good sign that the troll fighters are afraid of online harassment already. Shouldn't they embrace online harassment? Isn't that their job? Like, should a fireman be afraid of going to a fire? (laughs) Among the new weapons in the Democrats' arsenal is a monitoring tool called Trendalyzer. The Trendalyzer. Deploy the Trendalyzer. When stories from websites known to peddle misinformation, I assume CNN's on that list, uh, candidates and... Ring the bell (laughs) and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Space Force Droid. Much appreciated. When stories from websites known to peddle misinformation mention candidates and begin getting shares on social media, Trendalyzer detects it and an alert is sent to the relevant campaigns. Another built-in house, another tool built in-house at the DNC monitors Twitter traffic, ladies and gentlemen. On Monday, it'll watch for misinformation about how and where to caucus. Variations of the word rigged. <laughs> this is before, this is before the fucking caucus, believe it or not. Variations of the word rigged had been loaded into the system when CNN... What the fuck? Variations of the word rigged had been loaded into the system when CNN was shown at Saturday. Attempts to undermine legitimate vote results using disinformation... Thank you for the sub. Using disinformation is something Democrats are watching out for. (laughs) So here they are. They've come up with this... This foolproof scheme, they've come up with this safety net. We're going to catch any of those Russian trolls. We're going to catch those bots trying to spread misinformation before it happens. Because we've got a troll fighting army, ladies and gentlemen. An army of troll fighters. They're like the Avengers. They've got an army of troll fighters out there on the ground, on their laptops, ready to rock and roll. Ready to tackle the threat head on. So what they did is they loaded a whole bunch of alternative words for rigged into the system. Little did they know that by midnight on caucus night, the very Russian bots and uh, Republican trolls and foreign agent trolls that they were trying to fight against would instead be their own voters and their own constituents who were accusing their own party of rigging the fucking system. (laughs) Poetic justice. Don't you love it when the universe just evens out sometimes? We We need to protect against people using the word rigged because people who use the word rigged are Russian bowls and Russian bots. Turns out a lot of Russian uh, trolls and Russian bots were at Iowa at the caucuses demanding a recount because Bernie Sanders got dicked. (laughs) That's fucking beautiful. It is beautiful to me. Absolutely sensational. The unintended consequences. And like one of our earlier stories, ladies and gentlemen, with a brand new app. Hey, we found a solution, right? How often are we going to do how often are we going to do this very same dance? We found a solution to the problem. Here's an app that's going to fix it all. Oh wait. Now we need a solution for the solution. Now we need a solution to the problem which is caused by the solution which we brought in to fix a problem. 
It's like a common reoccurring theme, isn't it? So as we go out tonight, I do want to bring to you, I do actually have footage of one of these troll fighters, ladies and gentlemen. I found it on Twitter yesterday and I was looking for an opportunity to use it and now might be that time. I have found one of the online troll fighters, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in all of their glory. I present to you Mark Diamond, internet tattletale. <laughs> Let's have a look. My name is Mark and I'm an internet tattletale. I spend about three, four hours a day combing through tweets and podcasts just looking for anything anyone said that can ruin their life. You're cancelled, you're cancelled. There's no greater feeling than when you ruin someone's life for your own personal gain. Yes. Oh, I mean, uh, oh, I'm offended. My goal in life is to prove that everyone's a Nazi. Okay, four minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, I'm just uh, time stamping any racist jokes I hear on a podcast. I've never actually created anything myself. What I do is find things that other people created and ruin them. I don't like for anyone to have fun. Joe Rogan, canceled. I'm a very venomous person. I actually used to be a big fan of Louis CK, but now I tell people I never thought he was funny. My dream is to one day cancel Vince Vaughn. I'm gonna tattle on this guy so hard as soon as I'm done my pee. Mario Lopez, canceled. There's no greater thrill than when you just get someone fired from their job and they can't provide for their family anymore and I hope to one day get some pussy from being a tattletale. What can I say? I live to be a little bitch. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there's, people, there's people in the chat taking it seriously. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. This, this is not really Mark Diamond, internet tattletale. This is Ryan Long, who's a comedian in New York, and he's a fucking hilarious comedian as well. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Long Comedy. He does a lot of, like, man-on-the-street kind of um, skits and stuff. Very, very funny guy. Very funny guy. So he put that out yesterday. It's had over 100,000 views now. So, yes, it, it's, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. <laughs> Don't take it seriously. <laughs> So I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but you should you should give him a follow. He's a very funny guy. Ryan Long, Ryan Long Comedy. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this portion of the Daily Boogie podcast for another Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course... If you would like to be an internet tattletale, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends at RealPersonPLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, at UKNeil, at Mr. America, the Bearded Truth, at Winning TV, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to everyone who contributed to the show tonight on DLive and Streamlabs. Your, your generous support is always taken with great humility. Thank you very much. Um, I'll be back in about an hour from now. We'll do the State of the Union on DLive only. So that's DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Thanks, everyone, for joining. And uh, if you don't join us tonight, I'll be back tomorrow, 6 p.m., same time. So until then, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. We'll get to the Brexit stuff tomorrow, I promise. I just ran out of time. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. I'll open up the chest right now. Good night. <laughs>